I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. I am at Stanford Stadium where Washington loses to Stanford 23-13 to in front of an announced crowd, announced crowd, of 33,225. I'm guessing there was maybe 18 to 20,000 people here. Uh, game time, three hours, eight minutes. Temperature at kickoff was 70 degrees. Uh, absolutely perfect day for football. Grass field was in good shape. Washington wasn't. It was just a real tough, frustrating, uninspired effort by Washington. I don't know if you guys could sense it uh, back home watching it on TV and, you know, taking a listen, but it just looked like an uninspired effort across the board. I, I just think that uh, Stanford came out and put it to Washington, and Washington didn't have an answer for him. I mean, that's that's really what it was. I mean, Washington runs up 294 yards against a defense that's allowing over 400. They allowed 482 yards to an offense that was averaging 324, I believe, is what it was. So I, it just seemed like Washington just didn't have the answers. I don't want to call it an uninspired effort. I think the guys came out and, and tried hard, but it just they weren't getting it done. And defensively, I know they held them to 23 points, and realistically, that should have been enough for Washington to win the game. But they couldn't get some key stops uh, when they needed them, and Washington paid for it, and, and that questionable uh, going for it on fourth down instead of kicking the field goal was probably the biggest gaffe of the entire game. Well, not only going for it on fourth down, but if you know you're going to go for it on fourth down, why are you running a fade route on third down? I mean, it, you know, it's just the play calling, and I'm not one to really, you never hear me complain about play calling, but... You know, you take the opening series and they're just running it down the throat of Stanford. Their defense, Stanford's defensive line was quite a bit smaller and it looked like the offensive line could have a field day if they just stuck to, you know, running the ball. But they come out in the second possession and they just start throwing the football all over the place. And, you know, the running game really didn't get a chance to go. But when you talk about that discrepancy in the offensive yard, Scott, the big reason why was time of possession, Stanford. 39 minutes of possession, Washington with only 21. There's the ball game right there. Oh, absolutely. And and But the thing is, you know, why weren't they able to do that? It's because their defense wasn't able to get off the field when they needed to. They were giving them second and short so many times. I mean, how many – just on that last drive alone, Washington had a chance to get the ball back. And Cameron Scarlett's carrying guys for two, three yards to get first downs. And Cameron Scarlett is – a workhorse. I mean, he's not an elite back by any means. By any means. No, he's not. He had 33 carries for 151 yards and a touchdown, though. <laughs> I mean, Washington couldn't do anything against him. It was funny, you know. I want you know because I'm down on the sidelines and I'm seeing things through through a lens. And I asked Elise Woodward what was going on, and she said they just can't get off the of blocks. And nope. you know, it's really surprising that they couldn't get off the blocks. From guys that are underclassmen, I mean, they were they 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 were kind of six offensive linemen for the game, and three of those guys were first year players that played in high school last year. They couldn't get off blocks. Yeah, and uh, I mean, and um, Davis Mills really picked on the two freshman corners, and well, they also he also did it to the newer starter in uh, in uh, Elijah Molden too. He, I mean, he made some great throws tonight. I mean, there was that one pass to. Uh, uh, Weddington, Connor Weddington, for it wasn't quite a first down, but it was, it took a second and what, second and 16 or whatever it was. And, 
and turn it into a third and short uh, because he just dropped it right over Molden right in front of uh, Miles Bryant. But, yeah, I mean, they just picked on uh, Trent McDuffie and they picked on uh, uh, Cameron Williams. And it's just Washington just couldn't get a lot done. It seemed like everything that could go wrong for the Huskies went wrong and everything that could go right for Stanford went right. Chris, are you there? I'm here. Okay. I'm, I'm waiting for the question. <laughs> or I'm waiting for something. Just, I'm, wait, I'm, waiting for, I'm waiting for the Washington Huskies to show up. Are they coming off the bus yet? <laughs> well, no. And tell me what you think of this. You know, they're playing a real soft zone, and just it's almost like it's passive. And, I mean, I just, I'm on the sidelines, and I just don't see a lot of intensity. I don't see – a lot of enthusiasm. Do you think that the softness that they're playing kind of contributes to the emotions that we see on the field? I think the environment contributes as much to the emotions on the field as anything else. I mean, Stanford's baseball diamond is known as sunken diamond. And as far as I'm concerned, Stanford stadium is now the sunken place for Washington football. This is, they haven't won since they haven't won there since 2007 we know they've they've had really good teams since then. Washington has at times, and they haven't come close really to winning games. I mean, I think there's maybe one game that was probably like a final drive type thing. But you know, you you look at the first drive, Kim. First drive was five minutes long, twenty yard field goal. First play was an eight yard run, followed by a twenty yard pass to Colby Parkinson, who we had talked all week about being a danger man. They go right to him for 20 yards, and then Scarlett goes for four yards and then 18 more yards, and all of a sudden Washington's on its heels, and you're going, wait a second, this is not the Stanford team that we've seen at all this year. I mean, at all. And really, it comes down to that offensive line, they should be the line of the week nationally or whatever because of what they were able to do with with seven guys and then six guys after Haddis gets hurt. What they were able to do to Washington's defensive line was absolutely, I I wouldn't say humiliate them, but they absolutely physically dominated them. I mean, I don't know if there's any other way to describe it. I I don't get it. I mean, I don't get it. I mean, Washington's really struggling with the run right now. Um, You know, and we see everybody complaining about the linebackers, but... You know, when they're playing two interior linemen and two wide defensive end bucks that are almost like linebackers and then two two linebackers is it, you know, they're daring teams to run and that's what they did. And then they can suck it up and complete passes at will with the soft zones but playing the safeties deep. Um, it just it looks like Wash has been getting carved up all year. Well, don't we can't excuse the linebackers because – Sometimes when they're fitting the gaps wrong and things like that, that just exacerbates the problem. And there were plenty of times tonight where you saw Kyler Manu, you saw Jackson Sermon, you saw Brandon Wellington try to get to the line of scrimmage and fit a certain gap, and they weren't where they were supposed to be. So it, well, it, it, it's a, it was a systematic thing. I mean, all three levels had their difficulties tonight. You can't really single out one because they were all struggling. Worst tackling game you've seen in a while, Chris? Uh, I don't know. Cal wasn't great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, certainly was a big contributor to the problem. There's no question about it. And like Scott Scott mentioned, those back-to-back third downs at the end of the game with Cameron Scarlett, 
to me, those were the perfect embodiment of the entire game in a nutshell. I mean, this was a situation where Stanford had to get a first down in order to kill the game off. Washington absolutely had to stop them to have any opportunity to try to win this game. And Scarlett literally almost did it by himself against, you know, he probably had two, three Washington players just on top of him, and he was not going to be denied. And every time Scarlett was going to make a play, he was moving forward. He was falling forward. And Washington could never push him back. And when Scarlett was stuffed a couple times, Davis Mills was right there to pick up the slack and throw the ball, whether it was to Fajoko, whether it was to uh, Parkinson, Wilson, Weddington. They, he pretty much had success wherever he wanted to go. I think that this may have been the worst offensive line performance I've seen in a long time from Washington. Yeah, I, cons- <clears throat> I was going to say, considering, yeah. considering the fact that, that really Stanford was, was pressuring sometimes, but they weren't really consistently blitzing them. They weren't really consistently getting after them. There were so many one-on-one opportunities where the Stanford guy just beat a tackle or beat a guard and just had basically unabated uh, pass rush right to Jacob Eason. And so Eason was scrambling half the time for his life, and, and that's never a good sign because he was never go- he was never scrambling forward through the pocket. He was going backward. He was going sideways. He was doing curly cues and I mean shades of Jake Browning and we all know when Jake Browning was going backwards it was going to be nothing but trouble same thing happened to Jacob Eason well Well, I I don't know if you guys saw what happened to Savon Ahmed when he tried to pick up Casey Tuhill on a blitz oh no he got blown up oh my gosh it was awful yeah it was just awful well, I just don't think there's any excuse for the quality of the offensive line that this has been, you know, for uh, Jacob Eason to be under the amount of pressure that he was unto. He was he was having to rush passes, and, you know, he's, the only guy he was targeting was Aaron Fuller. <laughs> yeah, statistically, Aaron Fuller, Aaron Fuller had a great night. Yeah, well, he had a Until couple of drops, too. Until you throw in too. how many drops he had. Yeah, yeah, when you look at it, nine catches for 171 yards, long of 37, but yeah, but he was targeted 17 times. Jacob Eason completed 16 passes. He targeted Aaron Fuller 17 times. Well, I, I'm telling you, you know, when you take a listen, and I always say sometimes it's not what's said, it's the tone behind what is said. Listen to Chris Peterson post game, and, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but, um, you know, I'm a big believer in execution is underrated and play calling is underrated. But we heard so much talk in the offseason about fixing the offense. I was sensing some frustration with Chris Peterson with the offense. And, boy, I got to believe that, you know, the pressure is being turned up with Bush Hamden right now, especially after what we've seen today, you know, with guys just can't get open. I mean, you take a look at Stanford, and they've got third and four, and they can make plays to get third and four. Do you feel comfortable with Washington on third and four, fourth and four right now? I sure don't. I I don't know what to say about it because the execution, it, you everyone could see it. It's on tape right now. You can go back and watch it on TV on replay. I mean, it's a situation where they went empty so many times on third downs tried to run that slant, and it was like you're just telegraphing the play. You're, you're just giving them the play and telling them what, they're, what, what you're going to do. And if you're going to do that for a defense and they can basically sit on a slant and, you know, and you're not giving them any other looks, 
you know, I, to my untrained eye, and I mean, when I say untrained, I mean, I'm not in the film room with Bush Hamden and Chris Peterson and those guys breaking all this stuff down. I'm not, I'm not Hugh Millen here, but what I am, what I'm looking at is I'm looking at a lot of empty sets in third down situations and I'm not seeing any sort of variety coming out of it. And it's just, it's just weird to me because when you, if you can't run it on third and three, third and four, or at least show the possibility you're going to run the ball. I don't know, you know, somewhere in my reptile brain, that's a problem. Play action. I mean, they've got one of the biggest threats in the conference is Savan Ahmed back there. But when you're going empty, you don't have that threat anymore. So, um, you know, when you're talking about Washington not being able to complete the slant because, you know, they're telegraphing it and Stanford's right there. And we saw it all last week and this week as well. If uh, Stanford needed to run the slant, the soft defense you know, is enabling, uh, you know, Stanford's wide receivers the chance to catch the ball, and they're completing those balls on third and fourth down. Yeah, and I, I thought Hunter Bryant had a horrible game uh, tonight. Uh, there were a couple passes that, one that down by the goal line that went right through his hands. Now, you can say it was because it was a bullet and he didn't, it was on Hunter before it happened, but, I mean, that's a wide-open play. That was a perfect play call for a perfect situation and he just didn't make the play. And, I mean, he was out there on a couple important plays. And Washington, I just think, has a guy that they feel like they can – that go-to guy that they can target on third and four. Like you said, Kim, I, I just don't think Washington feels comfortable with anyone that they have for uh, Easton to throw the ball to. And if we're talking about the same play, Scott, you know, that throw to Hunter Bryant, uh, again, where Jacob Easton had a guy in his face and had to throw the ball sooner than he wanted to. Uh, I I didn't I didn't get to see that aspect of it. I'm sure you're probably right, but I I didn't see that aspect of it. But even so, you know, Hunter's got to get his head around faster. He's just got to. Yeah. It, it's it's tight spaces down there, man. Yeah, and then uh, I think you know one of the key plays of the game, uh, and you know, well, I'll have to go back and look at the film, but look like Keith Taylor got uh, involved in another busted coverage for a long touchdown pass. I don't know if that was Keith Taylor or if it was Cameron Willi- uh, Cameron Williams. I think, uh, you know, if the coaches are being honest, they'll tell us what happened, but they'll, they'll probably just end up covering for it and just say it was a miscommunication, blah, blah, blah. But from everything that I read on it, he had the flat and um, Cameron Williams supposed to be over the top, and that's what he was expecting because he looked at Cameron Williams like, where the hell were you? You were supposed to be over the top of me. You used the word miscommunication, and we had that with Chris Peterson again post-game where um, when they were going to punt the ball, and then they came back out on fourth down to go for it, and he was asked about that, and he said it was a miscommunication. The fake punt was a miscommunication. We're starting to hear that quite a bit uh, post-game with mistakes on miscommunication, so I don't know what's going on. But, you know, the only bright spot that I saw in today's game was uh, I thought Richard Newton was running incredibly hard and looked really, really good until he went down and looked like a pretty severe ankle injury. Yeah, yeah, and and that's not good. That's not good for Washington's running game because he was one of the few people with some energy on that on that offense that was really running hard doing what he could to get them wins. And, and yeah, him going out definitely took the wind out of the sails of the offense. It, it basically died the moment he left the field. And, Chris, you take a look at the size of Washington's offensive line and Stanford's defensive line and what Stanford has been giving up. 
Richard Newton, 10 carries for 64 yards. Savon Ahmed only had six carries and only two at the half. Sean McGrew, three carries for 12 yards. Um, you know, total of 22 carries for 88 yards, only 88 yards on the ground. And, you know, that was an area that I really thought that he'd be able to exploit Stanford on. And it just seemed like once they could never get into a rhythm and once they did get into a rhythm, they would revert to going empty in the backfield and, you know, trying to run a slant, which would uh, kill the drive. Well, it was weird, too, because they had that, you know, Stanford had that substitution penalty when Washington tried to go tempo. We know that Stanford had a lot of trouble when they played against Central Florida against so up-tempo, and so it just seemed to reason, like, Washington has up-tempo in their bag. They can do this. They can run the ball. They can continue to run the ball. They can gash them a little bit. They did that at the beginning of the, of the second half with that drive with Richard Newton, where it ended up ultimately Chris Peterson decided to take three points potentially off the board by going for it on fourth down, and then they threw that slant into empty or whatever they, they did. It just wasn't going to work. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's just a weird, weird deal because one of the things that Stanford is really, really good at is they will just they just suck the air out of the game. They suck the air out of the ball. They suck the air out of the stadium. They suck the air out of the, the entire football experience when you go to Stanford. And that's part of that's part of what they do, and that's they thrive in it because they want to, they want to completely slow the game down to a crawl. I mean, Washington had four possessions in the first half, and I was thinking about this. Washington went down and scored on that first drive, easy peasy, just like Cal last year, and we all know what happened at Cal last year after that first drive. It was eerily similar. Stanford maybe made a couple of adjustments, but then Washington just absolutely fell apart. Don't know why. I mean, it just, I, I, I have an inkling it started at the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively, where it normally does. But for some reason, they just didn't go with what was working and kind of went away from it a little bit and started telegraphing some of those pass plays and uh, kind of went downhill from there. Taking a look at the stat sheet, um, First down, Stanford 24, Washington 15, net yards rushing, Stanford with 189, Washington with 88, uh, net yards passing, Stanford with 293, Washington with 206, total offensive yards 482 for Stanford, 294 for Washington, total place, Stanford with 74, Washington with 58, again the big number that jumped out at me was time of possession, Stanford with 3901, uh, Washington with 20:59, and the big number, you know, the fourth quarter, Stanford had the ball 11 minutes and 39 seconds. Washington with only 3:21 behind in the fourth quarter, and you've only got the ball for three minutes and 21 seconds, makes it really difficult. Third down conversions, another big number that jumps out. Two of 12 on uh, third down conversions, while Stanford was six of 14. Um, again, Richard Newton, uh, 10 carries for 64 yards. Jacob Eason. 16 for 36 with a pick for 206, one touchdown. Uh, you mentioned earlier Aaron Fuller with uh, nine catches for 171. Kate Ott, two for 15, which included a touchdown, and a bunch of guys with one. Cameron Scarlett for Stanford, 33 carries for 151, and a lot of key first uh, runs to uh, get first downs for Stanford. Davis Mills, uh, the better quarterback today, 21 of 30 for 293. When you take a look at the defensive side of the ball, who would you guess? I don't know if you've looked at the stats yet, Chris. Who do you think led the team in tackles? 
I know. My guess would be Miles Bryant, but no. I can I guess Kim? Yeah. <laughs> well, the two guys tied for it. I know that with nine tackles, you can list who they are. Yeah, Levi Onuzrike with nine, Elijah Molden with nine, Miles Bryant with eight, Joe Tryon with seven. Um, one sack. You know, Ryan Bowman had a sack, but. Um, you know, I, I think the only uh, guy that I saw playing out that was emotion was Miles Bryant, who's always playing with emotions. He was it was pretty funny watching him getting into it with um, uh, Colby Parkinson. He was talking smack to he was on a pass interference play and he was talking smack. To Did he Colby have a step stool? Yeah, it was pretty funny. He's just looking up at him, and Colby's just kind of looking down. I think I think Miles won the smack talk battle, but. Uh, Colby won the war. You know what that reminded me of, Kim? It's the it's the uh, big German Shepherd that's running through your yard, and the little yippy Chihuahua is running after him. And the, I wouldn't. <laughs> and the and well, I mean, come on, why are you talking smack? There's no reason to talk smack. Yeah, you're you're they're beating your butt. Miles usually backs it up, but uh, in just uh, another note, no sign of Ty Jones. I still, um, and I'm not expecting him to play. I think he'll play in four games this year. He's looking to redshirt. So, you know, and I've heard from sources, you know, that uh, Ty wants to redshirt. So uh, we'll see where that goes. But, you know, and this is one of the big things when you've got Chico McClatter, Andre Pacelli, and Aaron Fuller, you've got three three small guys out there. And then your big targets are your tight ends. Uh, Jacob Kaiser uh, did play today, by the way. And uh, I saw him get blown up on <laughs> on a play to that got to Eason, you know, running Zach. the two. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it's just overall, just not a lot of good things to take from this game. It's just one of those games you just, you know, you flush and close the lid and move on. Jeez. Yeah. I, I don't think our fan base is going to do that. Yeah, no. I mean, it's a loss, and just, geez, my phone blows up. You know, I had a guy, t- I mean, my phone just blew up, you know, and I'm just, I just told people, I said, I'm turning off my phone. I did the best I could. I'm sorry I lost the game for you. People are beating me up for the loss. You know, this team sucks. Peterson needs to be fired, just all this stuff. But The um, Peterson needs to be fired stuff just, I mean, that's right. just idiotic. People need to put down the computer and go smash their head against the wall rather than, than type it out. I mean, that's just it, ridiculous. Yeah, it is. So, anyways, uh, long night. We've still got a lot of work to do. I'm in. Uh, I'm down in Palo Alto. I've got an hour drive to get back to the hotel, and I've still got some work to do. So, um, Scott Eklund, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Pathetic excuse for a game. I, I thought Washington didn't show up. I don't think they played very well. I think there were some guys individually who came out to play, and and some who tried, but just didn't get it done. And and. Like you said, Kim, you're just going to have to flush this one and hope you can go on the road next week at Tucson, another place Washington doesn't play very well, and get a win and get back on the on the uh, on the bandwagon of, uh, of of getting some wins. Because I'll tell you what, Oregon looks good. Utah doesn't look great, but they're they look better than Washington did today. And Washington's going to have some struggles if they can't beat. Uh, some of these teams, I, I I still think Washington has a shot at the Pac-12 championship game, and it's realistic. But uh, they're going to have to play a lot better than they played today. Hey Scott, real quick, I I'm not sure. Um, Arizona won today. Did their quarterback and running back play today? Um, JJ Taylor, I did not see him play. I, I I would need to look at the box score, but I know Khalil Tate did play. 
Okay. Uh, final thoughts. Well, if they had trouble with this guy today with Davis Mills, boy, Khalil Tate, that really scared, should put the fear into people for next week. But uh, Chris Fetters, final thoughts? Uh, I think Khalil Tate actually threw for over 400 yards, I think, today, if I remember correctly. Um, I, I just think, again, you know, if you flush it, that's fine. And it probably is the right things for fans to do is to flush it. But I think the most important thing is how do you react? How does the team bounce back from this? Because this wasn't just a loss. This was a physical beatdown. I mean, this is this is this was a Stanford team that was hurting, that that had seven offensive linemen on scholarship that were available, eventually had six halfway through the game and really took it to Washington's defensive line and, and really moved them around wherever they wanted them to go. Uh, that's disconcerting. That's something that I'm not sure a week of practice fixes something like that. That's That almost kind of is more of a core issue and really is weird because it's not necessarily something that's just all of a sudden popped up. It's just like, okay, they, you know, the second half of the SC game, we saw SC run the ball a little bit. We were kind of wondering, okay, was that a function of the scheme that Jimmy Lake was running because they were trying to eliminate the pass game and the and the air raid and all that stuff? Yeah, I get that. But this was something entirely different. This was something where Washington was supposed to be able to impose themselves on a kind of a beaten up Stanford team. But I don't know if they were spooked by the environment. I don't know if they were just lacking energy from the start. I don't know if it was because it was a night game, Pac-12 after dark, all the things that you would want to mention. You know, it's just Stanford is weird, just like the desert is weird for Washington. It's just they can't get over it. And they're going to have to figure out a way to get over it. But I think you're right, Kim. I think ultimately when the cameras did point to Chris Peterson on the sidelines and he did not look amused whatsoever, I think – things are going to have to start moving and start moving quickly with this offense. Because one of the things is, you wouldn't have known this, but during the game, you couldn't really tell if the fan base thought that the defense sucked more or the offense sucked more. That's how you can tell it was kind of a complete suckage. And I think it's it's just hard to know. But ultimately, for me personally, I'm going to put this on the offense because they it was within their control to move the ball. They had done it the first drive. They had had success. They had a formula in place. They didn't stick to it. And ultimately, they had some coaching decisions, I think, that cost them as well. It was just kind of a complete breakdown in all phases. Chris, um, you know, one of the things that you can take a look at, not tonight, but, uh, you know, maybe tomorrow morning, but uh, one of the things where Washington is really, I think, behind on no turnovers again tonight and turnovers are something that brings the energy. They didn't have uh, any turnovers again tonight. And you were, all, I was almost waiting for one to happen to spark the team so we could see some emotion and see that momentum switch, but uh, we never saw it, but it just seems like they haven't had anywhere near the amount of turnovers that we're used to seeing by, uh, you know, Pete Kwiatkowski, Jimmy Lake defense. So uh, that's something to look into. Like I said, we're just not seeing that. 
Yeah, just not a lot good. I hope Richard Newton is okay because, boy, he sure looked like he was running like Chris Carson of the Seahawks there on a couple of those runs. He just looked like the most physical runner they had out there. So it looked like his leg got bent underneath him, but uh, I saw him cut off his shoe and, you know, looking at that ankle. So I'm sure it's an ankle injury, and, boy, I'd be shocked if he's back next week. It didn't look really good for Richard Newton. Stanford, it's kind of a weird place. It's, uh, you know, there may have been more Stanford fans in the stands, but the Husky fans were definitely louder. It's always weird when you go into an opposing stadium and the visitors are louder than the fans. And, uh, you know, everybody at Stanford's looking at their phone. By the way, the Stanford band is just annoying. It's just like they try too hard to be weird. So they're the outcasts and the nerds. And I don't know, it's just played a little too weird, bugs me. But. Anyways, um, I'm down in Palo Alto. I'm going to be down here for a while. We've got media day on Tuesday uh, for Pac-12 media for basketball. Then I'll be heading over to Arizona. Also, the promo we're running, Chris, uh, get the final two months of the football season, two months for a dollar. Uh, how long was that? When's that run through, Chris? I, I, I haven't had any time. Yeah, Mine's still the end of Monday, Monday night. Runs till Monday night, so you can get the final two months. Still some recruiting stuff going on out there. So uh, two months for a dollar. You can sign up with at dogman.com. So, hey, for all of us, I am signing off. I am actually in Jen Cohen's booth. <laughs> I just got a text. <laughs> I am down at Jen Cohen's booth at Stanford Stadium. For all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinnells, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. 